Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Who loves the family of God? How awesome is being part of the family of God? Being in church, taking communion, worshipping. Thanks, Ashley and team. Singing together, because some of us aren't great singers, but when we're together, that's okay. Our voices just blend in. Isn't that awesome, eh? That's the joy. I belong to the family of God. Sometimes our faith doesn't seem strong, but we get near a few other people that are overflowing with faith, and they've got more than enough to overflow. And the last few weeks, I've been talking about being connected in relationships. A few weeks ago, we did on marriage, and that shook a few things up. Last week, we talked about parenting. I made a few friends and a few enemies last week about parenting. How's it been this week? No, don't tell me. We'll chat about it later. Today, I want to talk about relationships in the family of God, the body of Christ. What an amazing place church is. It's a miracle. Look at the people beside you in front and behind. If if it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't know most of these people. You'd never be here together in church for an hour and a half doing what we do in worship, in love, in prayer, in fellowship. We wouldn't be doing that. We probably would have never met most of you if it wasn't for Jesus and the body of Christ. It's a miracle, the church, that it even survives and functions But hey, I want you to receive the full benefits of belonging to the family and not just be a spectator, not just drifted in and out, but to be clearly involved, connected. The Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, guess what? It's not random. He's chosen you and you've responded. Dearly, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I wonder when you got up today and were working out what to wear to church. For some of you, that was a two-second decision. Some of the guys just found whatever was clean and hanging in the cupboard. Others might have changed three times on the way because you weren't sure whether it was going to be hot or cold. That's okay. We won't embarrass anyone here. But did you think about clothing yourself with these things as well? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. They're awesome clothes to wear over your soul and your mind and your heart. So when we get to church or when we are the church in the community seven days a week, are we wearing those clothes as well? In our attitudes and our heart. Compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Uh Uh-oh, that means sometimes it's going to be a challenge. Bear with each other and forgive one another. That means occasionally you're going to get offended or hurt or disappointed or let down. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's really good advice. Whenever you're struggling to forgive someone else, just take a moment and think, God, how much have you forgiven me? How many chances have you given me? How many times when I should have been left out, you just said, come on back into the family. So whenever you're struggling to forgive, stop and think, how much has Jesus forgiven you? That helps you start to get some perspective. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. When the family of God's living and flowing in love and acting in love, there is unity and there's power and there's strength and there's healing, there's miracles, there's restoration, there's hope, 
things that the enemy's stolen from you, God starts to restore back to you. Oh, God is so good. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So when it says let the peace, you've got a choice. Some things in the kingdom of God don't just happen. You've got a choice whether you let it rule or whether you let fear, rejection, negativity, competition, pride, selfishness. We can let those things rule. They're not, they're not hard to let rule because that's what we've been raised in this crazy world. But to let the peace of Christ rule, you've got to be intentional about that. No, I'm not going to get in a fight and an argument. I am not going to let hatred or fear drive me. I am going to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart because when you're at peace with God and yourself, you're more likely to be at peace with others. A lot of clashes happen because we're not at peace with God ourselves and it just flows out of us. We're sending out the vibes. And it's so easy for that to happen. So it's a let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since of members of one body, you were called to peace. Mate, there is so much strife in households. There is so much violence, abuse, hatred, rejection, fear, anxiety. Oh, so many things ruling. But we can, in the family of God, we can demonstrate how to do life as God called us to. This is a big family, so whether you come from a good, bad, or ugly family naturally, guess what? You've got a second chance because we're in the family of God now, and the Holy Spirit's helping us, and Jesus is ruling, so we've got a chance to do it better. And that's what God's called us to do. So in our small groups, our connect groups, our ministry groups, our prayer groups, in our mentoring, whatever we're doing, we've got opportunity to build wholesome relationships, sometimes even deeper and closer. Remember when Jesus was full on ministry, he didn't even have time to eat, hardly had time to sleep and his mum and brothers and sisters came and they wanted to see Jesus, he was so flat out in the middle of preaching and teaching and healing the sick, he wasn't trying to be rude but they were trying to not only visit him, they were coming to try and capture him and take him back to his home and said Jesus don't live this crazy lifestyle, they were trying to stop him doing what the Father God had called him to do. That's when you say, it seemed like he was rude and ignored him. No, it was because he knew they were going to try and take him and stop him from fulfilling his mission out of their own personal decision. But it wasn't kingdom perspective. And Jesus said the most amazing, he sat there and he said, who are my brother and sister and mother and father? He said, these people here. He wasn't trying to be rude to his natural family he was trying to teach a principle of the power of the family of God the beauty of it God wants us to live as wholesome a life we can in our natural family and I've talked about that for the last two weeks so don't misinterpret what I'm saying now but he wants us to learn to live out his peace loving kingdom principles in the family of God and it's awesome because most of us are Christians so we know how to do it well we should know how to do it so at least we've got an opportunity to work out our salvation and our Christian living in peace, grace, love and hope. How beautiful is the family of God. You think for a moment, before you came in to know Jesus and joined the family of God in a local church, there were so many things that were probably not working right in your life or you were struggling with. And then you come into the family of God and then you start seeing someone who knows how to forgive better than you've ever done. Or they know how to show mercy instead of judgment and reaction. Or they know how to bear with one another and release peace. And you start to learn. It rubs off on you. It overflows. 
Because Christ in us overflows. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Oh, no, is that one got to be in there? Yes, it does. One of them said instead of patience, says long-suffering. Some of the newer versions have taken that word out. That's just too hard. We'll just put the nice word patience in. But long-suffering, some people in your connect group, you've got to suffer along with them. Someone who's sitting beside you today, you're thinking, oh, mate. Transformation guys are getting a laugh up here. Hey, you guys are living together for 12 months. Bit of long-suffering goes on over here sometimes, doesn't it? We come to church and our connect group and then we go home. These guys are together at home for 24-7. They're learning long-suffering and patience and forgiveness and grace. But we all do in different ways. I think, God, you're amazing that you've created this big family. You've got spiritual mums and dads. You've got uncles and aunties that maybe you never really had or you weren't connected to. You've got brothers and sisters and spiritual children that you're helping mentor and disciple. I think, God, you are amazing. You've created this beautiful family of God. Is it perfect? No. Is it a challenge? Yes. Are there great rewards? Yes. Like the old preacher said, oh, to live with the saints above, that will be glory. But to live with the saints below, that's another story. (laughs) And that's how we feel sometimes. But don't let the enemy steal from you. And don't get your eyes on yourself or others. Keep them on Jesus and then learn to love with his type of love and see what God can do. I just think this is so beautiful. Where are we up to? I've got lost now. It says, and be thankful. Well, there you go. Be thankful that we're forgiven, that Jesus has forgiven us. Be thankful that we've got brothers and sisters. Be thankful that someone keeps praying for you when you've started to drift out in your own selfish ways. Thank God someone rings you up and says, hey, we've missed your church the last few years. What's going on? And you were starting to feel ashamed or embarrassed because you're struggling and you're hiding. Or things aren't going well in your own workplace or family, so you hide like human nature will. But someone calls you out and says, hey, come on. Come back to the place where peace can once again touch your heart. Come back to fellowship. Can we have a coffee and chat about it? And it says you rescue someone who might have drifted away. God says there's a great reward for those who rescue those who might have given up. Oh, God, thank God someone didn't give up on you in times when you were struggling. You mightn't have wanted to hear from them for a while. Sometimes we even push away the people God sends to us. But I'm amazed that love never stops. They just don't give up. If you won't meet them, they just double their prayers. They get another 20 people praying for them. And you just don't have a chance. So you might as well give in quick and stay, get reconnected. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That's why we worship. Because when we worship, we all focus together on Jesus and all of our individual selfish hearts start to get joined together. When you worship and pray together, you are focused in on God And your hearts get revealed and they get healed and restored. That's why praying together and worship together is so, so powerful. And COVID wouldn't, it it sort of got people disconnected. 
Let me tell you, if you're watching online today, God bless you and be blessed. But if you are able to get back to a church, you need to be in the body of Christ and connected. If you're ill or, or you're recovering from operation or there's stuff going on with whatever, God knows that. And this is a, an opportunity to still hear the message. But I say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but get together. Because there's stuff rubs off and there's fire comes from someone's heart and there's faith comes and you're walking out and someone comes and has a, a word of faith for you and says, hey, I've been praying for your family all week and all of a sudden you break down and cry because you haven't told anyone the strife that's gone on. But the Holy Spirit has just intervened and brought hope to your heart that he hasn't forgotten you. How powerful is that? And that can't happen when you're sitting at home. God's grace is there. And the fire of God is there. And we need to have those place for those gifts and anointings of God to flow and function and flourish. And I know there's people do shift work. And there's all sorts of stuff happens in our crazy world. But I encourage you to connect and get together as often as possible. Otherwise, you're missing out. And we're missing out on what might have come that you might have carried in of God's grace and power and presence. Let the word dwell in you richly. And then it says, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So here's the thanksgiving gratitude again. If you've got gratitude to God in your hearts, it's really hard to be selfish and rude and angry and hateful. Have you ever tried to be thankful and angry at the same time? It's really difficult to do. It's really hard. You start thanking someone, you're struggling with relationship with them, but you start to thank them for what, who they are and what good they've done. And before long, all the things that you were annoyed about them just disappear or you get grace to cover it. Wow. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, love becomes the mark of true maturity. It's not how many Bible verses you know. It's not how well you can sing. It's not how many people you lead to Jesus. How you love one another is the true mark of maturity. And that's why the devil fights us on it. He tries to get us annoyed and upset. Marriages, opposites attract. God puts you beside someone and you're a quiet, reserved worshipper and you, you end up sitting next to the noisiest worshipper in the church. You think, I'll shift seats next week. Guess what? He sends someone else. I've learned never pray someone out because he'll send two next week. <laughs> Double dose. Because God's wanting you to free up and be more released. Well, they just pray so loudly and you're quiet. Doesn't mean you have to become loud, but he wants you to be free in what you are. That's what God wants us to be in our life. Ephesians 4, verse 1 in the Amplified says, So I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live life, live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Wow, God's calling us up to a higher level now. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. Wow, we need to read them again. There's a, that's a pretty full-on list. Godly character, moral courage. Boy, we need a lot more people with moral courage today. Personal integrity. And mature behavior. A life 
that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Wow. Paul's writing this to the Ephesians and Ephesus was an ungodly city where they worshipped the great Diana and there was pride and selfishness and immorality everywhere. Power of the gospel came and then he's teaching them how to live out their Christian faith. Just like us. Make every effort. Here we go. It doesn't just happen automatically. Be intentional. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So as believers, there are times you've just got to make extra effort. Saying, God, they're just annoying me so much. Lord, they've let me down so many times. They said they were going to show up and pray and they've let me down four times without a reasonable excuse. Say, I'm giving up on that one. God says, make every effort to get beside him because you don't know what attacks the enemy's got over there. Shame and guilt and disappointment and they're just struggling to, to breathe and you're getting upset because they haven't met your expectations yet. Wow, maturity says, God, show me how to step out of my expectations to your plan. That's another whole level, isn't it? Each individual working together to make the whole successful. Well, that's a bit of a challenge to our woke society where it's all about my opinions and my perspective and my agenda. The kingdom of God deals a death blow to that and says, come on, let's work together for the good of everyone. Wow, that's, that's revolutionary thinking in today's crazy society. Do we have opinions? Yes. Do we have our own perspectives and personality choices? Yes, we do. But do we impose them on everyone else so that everyone has to think like we do and have group think? No, we need to be led by the Spirit of God and show compassion and love and grace and not just react out of opinions or judgment. Then it says, There is one body of believers and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of us all who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. Yet grace, God's undeserved favour, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. Wow. Are some people going to find it More naturally easy to worship? Yes. Are some people going to just tap into prayer? Yes. Some people read the Bible and and stuff jumps off the pages and they start unpacking stuff. Are some going to be better at it? Yes. Are some people going to show compassion quicker than others? We walk past and don't even see the tear in their eye and someone else sees it and then spends some time and helps them navigate that. That's why the body is diverse and different and that's why we end up sometimes misunderstanding or clashing But boy, the richness when we are filled with love and grace and mercy, we then bring out the best in one another. We release the fullness of what God has got. And self has to lay down in Jesus. Ephesians 4.11. 
We're just unpacking a few of these scriptures today. We're definitely not going to get through my message today, otherwise we'll be here till one o'clock. So we'll just do a bit and then we'll pick it up next time. Ephesians 4.11, and his gifts to the church were were varied and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church. God gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers with particular gifts to help build up the body of Christ so we can all function and he equip us to, to fulfill what God's called us to do. How amazing is that? And some people say, well, we're, we're all one in Christ. Yes, we are. We all are priests and kings in God. Yes, we are. But he appoints certain people with different ministries to do different things. And if we accept and honor that, then you get the blessing and benefit of it. And some of you can show mercy and compassion and hospitality way better than I can. Let me know. I know. But God's anointed me to preach and teach and equip and inspire. So we all have our different gifts. Don't compare, just inspire one another to excel and flourish together. That's how God calls us to. Then it goes on and, uh, and it says, where are we up to? Verse 12, and he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people for works of service, to build up the body of Christ Jesus, until we all reach oneness in the faith, unity, and in the knowledge of the Son of God growing spiritually to become a mature believer. Now, mature doesn't mean old and almost rotten. You have mature cheese. Yep, it's been around for decades. It's all blue and only the very hardy you choose to even eat it. That's not what mature means. Mature means fully growing up in love and grace and mercy, kindness, can look beyond your own agenda and reach out and support and restore and rescue. That's what mature means in the body of Christ. doesn't mean you're 105. Next week, we're going to a lovely lady on the Sunday goes with her part of church. She passed away, went to be with Jesus, 101 and a half. And so she was an amazing lady, Olive Davies, and we've known them. And so we're going down to a funeral next Monday, and that will be a glorious celebration of an amazing lady. But you don't have to be 100 to be mature in the body of Christ. I've met some people that have been Christians for three or four years, and boy, they have got a greater maturity than some that have been... I was going to say in the way or following the way for 20 years, you know. (laughs) Whoops. God wants us to keep growing, flourishing, fresh, alive, led by love. Better go on before I get myself in trouble. So that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine. But by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheme of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth in love in all things. Wow. If you want to get an argument going, just speak the truth but not in love. My opinion's right, so you've got to listen to it. But when you speak the truth in love, love is the bridge that carries the heavy weight of challenge or rebuke 
or, hey, we need to talk about this and work some things through. If you don't have love as the bridge, you'll be walking across a rickety one-lane rope or vine bridge that's going to break halfway across. You think, oh, boy, how did that relationship fall apart? Someone was speaking truth, but definitely not with enough love and compassion in it. Wow. Well, someone will say, well, I'm just direct and forthright. That's good. Some people have got that gift and it's needed, but it's got to be overflowing with love. Otherwise, you're going to cut people with the word instead of heal people with the word. It's a two-edged sword. It's meant to cut out the wrong and heal with the good. Some of us are really good at using the sword on one side and not the other. Some people love everyone, but they never address anything. That's sloppy love. Other people are really good at cutting people, saying, you just got to get your life sorted out. Just stop it. As one counsellor said, well, he didn't have many people come back, did they? <laughs> just stop it. Now we need some compassion to build the bridge so that we can connect the living truth. I love his word. It's so powerful. Then it goes on and says, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things to him, into him following his example who is the head, Christ. So we're following him, King Jesus. I love that song. He's king. We're going to learn to do life as he did, as he does. The Holy Spirit's teaching us. From him, the whole body, the church in all its various parts, Joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. That sounds like the perfect church. Have we found the perfect church? Not yet. Because a few of us are still haven't quite sorted out this mature love and unselfishness issue. But we're on this journey. Wow. And the rewards are amazing already and occasional hiccups. Don't give up. I've met some people that they've just dropped out of church or following God because something happened. Yes, we all, there's been times I've been tempted to think this is too hard ministry. Mate, you help people and then they just rip you off or they walk away or they then slander you with stuff you never ever said or did and you're thinking how did they get that from that and if you let get that get in your soul it can mess up your soul and your head and you walk away saying this is just too crazy maybe you're watching today and one of the reasons you're not in fellowship is because you've been hurt all of us have been hurt but God's the amazing healer and the body of Christ is the safest best place to be restored We get hurt by people, but we get healed through people by the Holy Spirit. The devil says you've been hurt, so just go and hide. Put up walls so no one can get there. And that builds rejection. You think, no one loves me anymore. Guess what? You have allowed the wall to build up to protect yourself, but in the process, it's become a prison cell. 
But the Spirit of God comes with the key of grace and truth spoken in love and begins to unlock the doors and your heart can start to be revived, restored, love can flow and then you can't wait to get together in worship and fellowship. You can't wait to catch up with someone for a cup and share the stories of what God's doing and speaking into your life. Oh God, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Let the church be so vibrant that people can't stay away. And there's new people coming every week, being drawn from all sorts of backgrounds. And churches all over our nation are going to thrive and flourish because the Spirit of God is doing His work. And the body of Christ is learning to mature and grow up in the Spirit, in the school of the Spirit, so we can demonstrate what Christianity really is, not in name, but in behaviour, attitude, action and beliefs. God, let the world know what the church is for, not what we're against. Because when they see what we're for, they'll want to change what they know is destroying their life. Oh, God, help us. I get a bit excited about the church because I love the body of Christ. The Passion Version of verse 16 says, For his body has been formed in his image. Wow, look at the people beside you. Together, we're the body of Christ is his, his image of love and grace and mercy and kindness and courage and boldness and adventure. Wow. And it says, and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. Do you hear that? We're closely joined and constantly connected as one. You wake up in the morning, you start praying for someone and then you catch up with them and you find out They've just had a big health challenge or they've just had a struggle or someone at work has just taken a set against them because they're a Christian and they just need someone to support and pray with them through the journey, to love them. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all and as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Wow, wow, wow. Say, I'm not really good at this loving thing, but God says you're going to be made perfect to love if you hang around in the body long enough. Oh, God, help us. A couple more verses and we'll wrap it up and pick it up again next time. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You say, I don't know how to do this Christian stuff. Just follow Jesus. And follow the people that are following Jesus. And together, we're moving forward and demonstrating his kingdom life. Because people are looking for hope, love, acceptance, answers. Oh, Maybe you're here today and you just say, I'm not quite sure why I'm at church. But God's drawing you because you're looking for hope and answers. Maybe you haven't been in church for years. The Spirit of God's calling you back because he's the only hope for your soul. Is the only hope. I'll wrap it up with these verses, which Jesus, these are some of the most famous words of Jesus. John 13, 34 and 35. I am giving you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. 
I love miracles, breakthroughs, supernatural, answers to prayer, protection. All of those point to Jesus. It says signs and wonders will point people to Jesus. I want more and more of those. But they've got to come from a heart of love. And the way we treat one another is going to be the bridge that people are going to listen to our message. And we know that, but I just wanted to remind you today, we're at a critical point in our nation where there's so much fear and anxiety and strife. The whole world is in turmoil. So many people are overwhelmed with anxiety and fear. Let me tell you, as followers of Jesus, we carry the hope of the world in our souls. But a lot of people aren't going to listen to it unless they see how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we support one another. The key to understanding this and other statements about love is to know that this love, the Greek word is agape, A-G-A-P-E, is not so much a matter of emotion as it is of doing things for the benefit of another person. That is having an unselfish concern for one another and a willingness to seek the best for another. God has created us in his image with a desire and capacity to love, have friendships and have acceptance. There is great blessing to belong to a loving family naturally and spiritually. Worship team, come on up as I just read these verses from the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I think we need to see these more. D.L. Moody, who was an amazing evangelist and saw hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ in the 1800s, he said, for one month, he read 1 Corinthians 13 over and over and over and over again. He said, until love so filled his soul, he couldn't wait to go and find someone that he could just pour out some love and acceptance and grace on. I thought, wow. And he was known to be a one who just loved people and saw multiple thousands come into the kingdom of God's love. Listen to these verses. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. Is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. Uh-oh, some of us come from a family line that doesn't take much to trigger us off. God's love will temper that. So you can count to five or ten or three thousand, whatever you need to count to, to get some patience and control so you don't blurt out and say or do dumb stuff that then you spent three years trying to restore a relationship. And you're not overly sensitive. Now, some of us are got really sensitive hearts and we pick up all the radar messages. Marilyn and I are totally different. As I shared a couple of weeks ago on marriage, we'd go to a wedding and we'd be sitting at the same table having the same conversation on the way home. She started to talk about what happened at that table and the conversation. And I thought I was at a different event. I said, really? Did they say that? I said, I don't remember hearing that. I don't remember seeing that. And I just think, dear Lord, do I live in a, a world where I miss all these emotional, a lot of them are emotional messages, body language, tone of voice, things that weren't said but were said really loudly. I missed all those radar signals. I thought, dear God, i got to learn a whole new language here. 
And 40 years later, I'm still learning it. Some of you are laughing because this is just a bit too close to home, eh? Others are so sensitive. And Marilyn used to pick up everything. And so she's had to learn to lay that before God so it didn't just overwhelm every time. She picked up all the radar and the hurt and pain that people are carrying. So it says, don't be overly sensitive. In other words, God will show you how to manage that, how to identify and filter it and lift it to Jesus. Lift it in prayer. Say, God, how do I process this so this doesn't swamp me and I just live overwhelmed most of my life? So whether you're easily triggered for anger or reaction or you're overwhelmed with sensitivity, the Holy Spirit's agape love will teach you how to live with that gift and be a great blessing. You're not allowed to elbow anyone right now. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth are Love bears all things regardless of what comes. Are you serious? Bears all things. I was deeply challenged. I was on a missions trip to Vietnam back many years ago. 27 years ago. God did something in my heart that I've never forgotten on that trip. I met pastors and leaders that had been in prison for over 20 years for just for preaching the gospel. Some of them had been beaten so badly their bones had been broken and, and deformed out of shape and scars all over them just for being a follower of Jesus. But were they bitter angry? No. They had amazing love. They prayed for hours every day passionately for their nation and the people who were persecuting them. Then they, we were on a missions team, and they said, they want you to come and pray and prophesy over them. And I just said, no, I can't do that. I think I'd prefer them to pray for me because my heart is undone around these people. They said, no, no, no. You've come from overseas. They want you to pray and prophesy over them. So I learned to prophesy using an interpreter. That was an interesting journey, first time. But I wept through those next couple of hours as I prayed with them. I got someone to lay hands on me because I thought, you are living 1 Corinthians 13 and I'm still trying to work out how to do this. It left a mark on my soul and I thought, God, it's so easy in our comfortable, self-centered, individual Western world to live self-centric instead of Jesus-centric and others-centric. I've never forgotten some of the stories they told. But they weren't angry or upset. Even their spouses and kids who hadn't seen them sometimes for years, when they finally get released, what do they do? They go back and preach the gospel. One of the pastors I met, I'll never forget him. They throw him in prison for preaching the gospel. He so oozed Jesus that he led most of the prisoners to Jesus within months. Then the guards started getting saved. 
They couldn't stop the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God and the miracles. So they said, you're more, you're more dangerous in here than out there. So they'd throw him out. And then he'd start raising up church again. So they'd arrest him and throw him back in. He went through four different prisons, turned him upside down. And the last one they threw him in was the women's prison with most notorious prostitutes and dangerous women. They said, they'll sort him out. No, within weeks, he'd share his meager ration of food and give half it away and say, I'm doing this because God loves you. Within a short time, most of those had come to Jesus. So they threw him out again. They said, well, we don't know where to put you now. And they knew they couldn't kill him because he'd be such a martyr it would cause because he oversaw hundreds of churches and it would cause such a move of God across the land. I thought, wow. And I met and sat with him for hours and I thought, you've learnt 1 Corinthians 13. Have you learnt what true compassion is? And you don't value your life, but you value who Jesus is. I only have had two times to be there in Vietnam. This is years ago when communism was still very strong. But it changed my life. And whenever I'm feeling hard done by, I just remember them. I see their faces, their tears in my eyes, and their prayer. They'd be up at four in the morning praying for four or five hours. You'd get woken up every morning by the cry for, of these pastors and their families for their nation. I thought, God. So whenever I feel overwhelmed or a bit selfish or a bit hard done by, I, I see their faces. And it softens my heart. I thought, Lord, what do I need to lay down? What do I need to be a bit more like you? How can I show agape love in a greater measure? You notice I've been struggling to read my notes today because I've got tears in my eyes the whole time I've been sharing. Because I just want our church to be so full of love and compassion. I want us to learn to do this the way Jesus has told us to. Let's stand in his presence. This is not about emotion. This is about compassion from the Spirit. And he's healing and softening some hearts here today. Because some of us have been through incredible pain and rejection. Today I want to take authority over the spirit of rejection that's locked you up from giving and receiving love. And some of us have been through very angry and we've been victims and some of us have been others that have caused others deep pain and now you live with this incredible shame and guilt and thinking God if only I had another chance well you can't always go back to that situation but you can now have a fresh chance to live it out and God in His grace sometimes will give you another chance to connect with those people or you'll reach hundreds of others similar that haven't had a chance Thank you for joining us the Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.